Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get to slap I'm your mom is here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, I really should I like punch him? <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, Hey everybody, welcome to Bag and Boardcast episode number 127. The long-running Bag and Boardcast, I can say that now. Yes. Very true. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a wheelie podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. And then we bring you the list, the books we're looking forward to coming out June 20th. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week we are bringing you a review of the digital copy of uh, Joe Lock- Hill's Lock and Key from IDW. IDW. IDW Publishing. And that's our trade in policy segment. Yeah, because, you know, we rotate the, the actual <laughs> topics in the main topic. It's a rotating section. And also, it's a trade paperback that we trade between each other as well. Yes. Yeah. This is the digital copy of it, um, where it came off of Comixology. And this is the first time we're actually going to be reviewing a digital book on the show. So yes. stay tuned for that. Maybe uh, grab yourself a beer, cuddle up next to your iPod or your iDoc, whatever you're listening to us on. If you're listening to us while driving, don't do that. Enjoy this beer through us. Pull over and drink a beer. Yeah. <laughs> and then get back on the road. Or, or just enjoy this orally. A U R A L. While you drink a beer. No, no. Well, not you while spell. you spell <laughs> orally, you know, through your ears. Not what if you don't have ears? Then how are they? Then they don't hear this podcast. So they, what if they have a friend that signs it to them? <laughs> I want to hear that story. Please write us in contact at bagnaboardcast.com. What if his friend doesn't have hands? <laughs> then he couldn't sign it with his name. And he wouldn't be driving either, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, the friend that doesn't have ears is driving, and the person signing it to him, he... But wouldn't he have to read his hands? Exactly, and that guy doesn't have hands, so this... Your metaphor is muddled, my friend. No, your (laughs) metaphor is the one that's muddled. I was pointing out how muddled it was. Speaking of beers... (laughs) Paul, you brought our beer selection today. What do we got? We have Chateau Rogue. This is the GYO... Grow your own uh, offering from Rogue Breweries out of Oregon. Um, everything in this beer they grew themselves, except for maybe the yeast. What about the water? Uh, the water they got right outside from wow. free range. They say free range coastal water, which I don't. So is they someone just like walking back and forth with buckets? <laughs> I guess on the coast? so. Hmm. I think so. Uh, made with Liberty hops and floor malted barley. So uh, this is what they grew themselves. Uh, and it is the Good Shite Pilsner. This is the first time I saw this uh, Rogue Grow Your Own uh, marquee kind of bottle, so I had to pick it up. And I'm a, I'm a very big fan of Rogue. A lot of their we've reviewed a lot of their beers on here. Um, we might review another one later on today. <laughs> uh, really good. Probably one of my least favorite of their beers. Um, it gets yeah. a little better the more uh, kind of sips you get into it. But, yeah, the, that first sip is not an appealing one. It is a lot of nickel. Yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten a little bit further into it. Um, really definitely metallic. metallic. I'm not a Pilsner fan. I liked the uh, the right pills that we had last week from yeah. Great Lakes more than this. 
it oh, didn't yeah. have that tin, nickel, pennies in your mouth kind of taste. Well, you went with three different metals yeah. right there. Because it could be all or none of those. <laughs> He's an alloy. <laughs> so, it is. It's. It is rough. It is a rough offering, and even the color isn't that appetizing. It is this. It's a pea cloudy, yellow. It's a yeah. cloudy pea. Yeah. Cloudy pea yellow. It's the nose. There's something weird on the nose. I'm getting like all yeah, around. It's a Pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> all around. This is not not good. I'm glad that they're trying to screw in your own initiative. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, but man, Rogue does so much better work than this. Yeah. And I mean, it's a. There's not a lot you can do with pilsners. I mean, anytime we have an actual good one, we're always so surprised. Yeah, the right pills, the year trash. I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you know, kudos to them. They get props for trying something different with farming their own stuff and brewing it into a beer. I think that's really cool. That's how they're kind of working it. But just not not into it. Yeah, and it, you, you always got to appreciate a brewer that is willing to take that chance and do something like that. Mm-hmm. Good on you, even if we're not a big fan of it. Man. We appreciate the effort. We exactly. do. You know, it was new, and sometimes we just like discussing something that's new. And sometimes new stuff happens during the week, and we bring that to you in the Week in Geek. And most of those times, or some of those times, that new stuff is rumor. Rumors. Rumors. Uh, there is a susp- supposed leaked document of or the Xbox 720, or the next box, whatever you want to call it. Uh, official codename Durango. That's yeah. what uh, they're calling it internally until they actually announce the name. And Ars Technica had a whole article about the what is happening on the leak, um, what was in the leak documents. And I think it was kind of cool. Uh, it's going to be about six to eight times more powerful. But overall, uh, the document seems like a wish list for what they want it to be, not necessarily what they can have it be, especially since they want to hit a $299 price point, which I think is reasonable, and it will be bundled with the next Connect or basically the Connect features. On some of the like pictures they have, it kind of seems like the Connect is split up into two different segments, so two separate cameras, and also would include uh, eyewear for the true 3D, which I think is the most interesting thing out of this out of this rumor document. So you know how 3D. No matter where you stand, it always looks like a flat image right? being popped out. Mm-hmm. Basically, like you're looking into a panorama or a diorama. That's not a panorama. A diorama. Well, with the, with the technology of using the Kinect with uh, basically eye tracking, with the camera, with the uh, heads-up display or the lenses in front of you, you could walk around the image. Oh, that's cool. So that's pretty cool. So you would actually see... The 3D image, like uh, the cowboy, it wouldn't just be the cowboy coming at you and it'd be flat. You could walk around him and see all the sides, which would be awesome. You would have to have everything 3D modeled. All that stuff would have to be completely 3D modeled, which kind of happens in video games most of the time anyways, especially since, what, Sonic 2? Yeah. Donkey Kong Country, you know, they were basically 3D wired wireframes. So... I don't know how much more it would take for video game companies to really need to, if it would be on them, because aren't they all 3D modeled anyways? Yeah, it seems like going forward, like, everything has been 3D modeled, but it just, where does this factor into, like, backgrounds? Because a lot of backgrounds could be 3D modeled, but I think a lot of stuff still just kind of pre-rendered. Yeah. And how's that going to work when you're moving around, like, your cameras? That's only, like, the thing I'm kind of curious about, how that would all work together. Well, with... Since you know, with the like with the eyewear, like are you mm-hmm. gonna be looking up and down with it? Well, imagine it's like just like the 
you know, control stick. You got you control the camera in most games now, so all those backgrounds basically have to move with the player anyways. So mm-hmm. now instead of you touching the right thumbstick, it's now you moving your head left or right. What will be really amazing if that the if there are actual I don't think I don't understand how they could be uh I don't think there are screens in the cameras in the lenses themselves. It's so more just to track where yeah. you're looking. And then the you know the picture yeah, the, on it uh, being generated from onto the television would be different. So you wouldn't like look down below the television and then see something pop up on your yeah. on your glasses, which would be awesome, but I think that's a little far and there's no way they would be selling it at two hundred and ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like the glasses themselves would be two hundred and ninety nine. But it kind of seems like they're taking a little bit from Google goggles, you know. They're saying that if you would put them on and you'd be able to get more information about people on your Xbox Live right on there, that there would be a heads. So they so sometimes it does seem like there's going to be a heads up display on the lenses, and then sometimes in the document it doesn't seem like that at all. So in a two ninety nine price point, even if that's you know the smaller version of all that, mm-hmm. that's not a bad price, you know. That's what I paid for my Xbox. Yeah, so I paid for my Xbox like two years ago. Five years ago? Um, especially like if they're including that uh, like Connect 2.0 or like, what was it, it's like Connect B2? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, version 2 uh, with Fortinelliza glasses, and sometimes it's called like something other than like Connect glasses. Like the current Connect only costs Microsoft 50 bucks to manufacture, mm-hmm. and that came out over a year ago now, so you got to figure they've been working on this technology since it's come out, so they, yeah. they're probably getting it cheaper, finding new ways to kind of build it in. Well, you get scales. You get, yeah. you know, after you make so many of them, then the prices of scale drop. And- so it's going to be simpler for them to actually include this with a new Xbox and have it work out how they want it, like doing the 3D stuff with it, where it's not going to be like adding another 100 bucks on top of the price of the system, because... Yeah, they've already kind of perfected what they want it to do. Now it's just making it smaller, a little bit more efficient. Yeah, and and getting people to buy it and have it. Because you get a Kinect yep. with it, it's going to get you to get Kinect games. They're uh, in the document they said in in itself. They're planning on having at least 100 million sold within the first year. And they also list you know their competitors and what they're doing, and they're trying to bring that all in together. And smart glass, they're focusing heavily on the smart glass technology, which we already seen, which lends credibility to this leaked document. But, you know, you don't really know where it came from. Yeah. No. And it is just a wish list of and things. I think Microsoft probably could do that, um, hit that goal for how many they want to sell. They mm-hmm. recently just overtook Nintendo as the highest install base. Wow. Over the Wii. It only took them five years, but. <laughs> Hey, it's a huge thing because, you know, in the United States, do you know, or worldwide? That I do not know. Okay. I would be more surprised if it was worldwide than United States because I think Xbox has had really strong gear, horrible in Japan. And But it, it kind of wouldn't surprise me if it was worldwide, just knowing how big the Wii was over there, but how it just kind of trailed off everywhere else in the world, though. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just saying because of... Not so much of the Wii, what the Wii did, but how the Xbox is received in the rest of the world. Like, it's a North American console. Mm. Like, Europe, it's a little weaker than, of course, North America, but really weak in Asia. 
Hmm. Nintendo's king over there. PlayStation, more so, even now. But Nintendo is king because on the handhelds there. Yeah. yeah. Because of the Monster Hunter. But that with that price point, that would... I probably wouldn't get one right away, but it would make it easier for me to go, all right. The that architecture that they're saying is full backwards compatibility with your Xbox 360. Honestly, for for two ninety nine, that's something I could justify like getting as soon as it comes out. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I would too. The only thing is you, you always kind of want to wait just a little bit because they always rush them out and then there's always a problem. I mean, look at the the first Xbox, all the or red the, rings you know, the death, all the red rings. You know, I'm lucky that I have one that just came out right after all of that, so I haven't had problem in the. I mean, you haven't had any problems, Paul. You haven't had problems. Producer Scott hasn't had problems. Um, I personally don't know anyone besides Randy, the Big RZ. Like, <laughs> but that, I think that's just because he's hard on his shit. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, and my Xbox is on quite a bit with the you know. Netflix feature, yeah, like it is almost always on here because that's how we watch TV. My days off, it's running like from when I wake up to sometimes when I go to bed, and yeah. days I come home from work before I have to do anything else, I turn it on, I watch something, I'll play a bit of a game. Anytime, like I'm running my Xbox for like eight hours, like when I was playing Elder Scrolls Skyrim stuff like that, I'm like, uh, I should probably turn this off and give it some time to rest. But then I always think back to when we did the Child's Play stuff, and it's like, no, we had them running for 24 hours straight. Like, I'm fine for, like, one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, an eight-hour gaming session. So, I mean, it, I, yeah. I, could definitely, I could definitely see myself picking it up, especially if they have some great-looking games initially coming out for that. Because mm-hmm. I could easily just go, okay, here you go. Take my old one, give me the new one. Yeah, especially the... If it's fully backwards compatible, yeah. even better. That's yeah, just if it is, on the cake. And that's what it will be for me. Like, my purchasing decision will be like, okay, if all my old games work for it, then yeah, I won't mind. Because 299 I probably won't be buying a video game for a little bit. But yeah. if somehow I can use those glasses for other features that are free on there, like, that'd be cool if, like, suddenly, like, I... It is 3D. Tele- it turns my regular television to a 3D television for yeah. some of the movies on Netflix. That'd be cool. Because that, that's be actually in. something I was thinking about, too, is, like, no longer am I just seeing, like, okay, I'm dropping $300 for a video game system. I'm dropping $300 for video games, sports, Last FM, the 3D stuff if they do that, movies. Because I, I use my Xbox and my PlayStation 3 for everything now. Yeah. So I see it more... NHL? The... Uh, a game center, uh, center ice package yeah. with w- making it all 3D. Watching hockey in 3D HD streamed. Paul, why, why are your pants getting tighter? <laughs> <laughs> why is your hand on my pants? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I look at the video game systems as more of an investment now because I do so much more with it than just play video games. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I don't think I've played a game on my Xbox in at least. Maybe a month, but I, it's on every day. I'm watching, I'm watching TV. I'm watching uh, Supernatural right now. You know, I'm halfway through that series. Like, it definitely gets used. You're welcome. Constantly. Yes, <laughs> thank, thank you, Paul. What else have we got? Uh, well, I think John has some movie news. Some movie news. Uh, I think all the fans of the Ninja Turtles out there that complained about the Ninja Turtles becoming aliens. And all that other bullshit that was going on with that, 
are kind of happy now because it looks like the Ninja Turtles movie is kaputs. It got pushed back to um, production date, back to uh, 2014, and even then, who knows what that's going to entail. Like, this isn't something that I read it the other day and it was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, it didn't really ring too like hard with me, honestly. Like, I saw the news and I was like, oh, okay. Did we no, no Ninja Turtles? What next? Did we enjoy TMNT? I I liked it. I mean, yeah, I don't think it was, it was great, but for what it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was decent, but yeah, it didn't really light a fire under me wanting to go watch all the Ninja Turtles stuff. Okay. I own the three pack of the Ninja Turtles movies. Yeah, and I hardly watch them. Well, because two is so bad. Two is what I. Paul, you don't like 2? Two? 2 is great for how bad it is. 2 is great for how great it is. Yeah, if Num-nums? anything... Three's... Num-nums? Yeah. 3's the weaker. Oh, yeah. Casey Jones back in 3. What are you talking he about? He is back in 3. Yeah, but he doesn't and really do that much. Hockey. <laughs> what does he do? What does he do in that? Paul likes it. He tries to teach ancient Asians what hockey's about. The, the way I look at the movies... Great. It's, this is a complete sidebar. Like We didn't plan this... One is closer to the comic books. Two is closer to the cartoon, and three is just <laughs> that shit crazy, fucking weird. Yep. But you know what? I I still like them. I I enjoy two a lot just because it is so that early nineties. It is. It's it's great too. So it's it, so much. It's fun. It is horrible. We're, we're watching it tonight. It is. Record. It is not Street Fighter level of so horrible. It's good. It's well, just underneath. I that. feel. It's more self-aware, though. Like, that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. Versus the first one. I like the first one quite a bit. No, the so. first one's great. The first I, one is I great. I love it. Mm-hmm. But the second one, they're whole completely different. Whole thing with the bells and being a ninja. And smoke and not being able to <laughs> ring any of the bells when you're pickpocketing. Yeah. You gotta be a ninja. You, can... you guys have smokes? Yeah. Regular or menthol? Like, the kid's trying to be super badass. No, no kid is badass. I wouldn't want to walk into him in a dark alley. He will cut you, Paul. He doesn't care. Nope. He'll skip school the next day. And then eat Burger King. <laughs> he eats penicillin pizza. <laughs> and he's up and down. They they have smoking. They have skateboarding. They have arcades. It's crazy in the Foot Clan. Yeah. Crazy. Well, that was how they lure kids in. Mm-hmm. And then, then they bring them into the actual well, Foot. But if they want to be a part of the Foot, they have to get ninja training. Yeah, but you don't see them actually training ever. You see, you see them training in the the basement there. Uh, basically, they just have those kids there so they can have petty crimes that they'll reap the rewards for, and have just people that they can throw at the Ninja Turtles to hit with their nunchucks. Yeah, that's all it was. I love those movies. In <laughs> uh, some other kind of movie news, is uh, in four years, Dale Earnhardt Jr. hasn't won a. Automobile race, a you car race. He hit a wall. <laughs> oh, oh. that was actually really good. Like, <laughs> uh, all it takes is for him to r- drive the uh, Dark Knight Rises automobile for the race that he did. I guess he usually does. He drives the Mountain Dew one, but uh, <laughs> in driving, in driving the uh, the Dark Knight Rises, he's finally won. I just thought that was kind of cool that it, it takes Batman to win a car race. Makes sense. Wow. Matt, he was probably drinking while he did it. <laughs> NASCAR. 
on Bagnum Broadcast. You never know what topic will yeah. hit next. It'll never happen ever again. No, and you never know quite what you're going. we're going to be drinking next, unless you follow us on Facebook. And then you'll see a picture of what we'll be drinking during each episode. We always put up a picture right before we start recording. So if you want a little sneak peek of what's coming up, make sure you're following us over on the Facebook. And right now, uh, we're drinking Rogue's Daddy's Little Helper Black IPA. Uh, basically, this is Rogue's chance to redeem itself on this podcast, this episode, because uh, that last one left, uh, did not like it. Did not like it at all. Black IPAs, enjoy quite a bit. Yes, we so, all, we all enjoy that. Multi up front, usually, good IPA, IPA finish. So uh, let's let's get in there and taste it, shall we? I, I think we should all get in there and taste it, as Paul said. <laughs> I was talking, hoping that you guys would be sipping it. So well, that's, that why, when that's I why I was talking, because I saw John had it, and then he stopped because he was giggling. It was funny what he you said. completely derailed, because I still haven't had a chance to drink it. You get a lot of the, I think, a lot of the bitter from from the dark and from the IPA in this. It's good. I like it. It, it is heavy on the toasted, heavy on yeah. the malt up front. You get a lot of malt right in the beginning mm-hmm. there. Very little on the IPA front. Um, hoppy at the end there, nice hoppy aftertaste. But uh, It's a dry your tongue out mm-hmm. beer. And it is uh, it is nice and toasty, though, up front. Nice toasted malt flavor. So I think it redeems a little bit of what happened with the pills. Um, I'm not going to put this above any of the other black IPAs we've ever had, though. I put it above the Otter Creek. I was gonna, I was gonna say I even like the Otter Creek wow. more than this. Like if I saw the two next to each other, and I had a pick a black IPA, I'd go for the Otter Creek one. I don't remember how I felt about the Otter Creek. You kept on saying, Paul, it's a stove to- uh, stove pipe porter. Oh, it's yeah. You were okay, like, yeah, I remember. It's, it's just that, Paul. They just put the wrong label on it. I, I think yeah. you're fooled. I don't. Yeah, because it didn't IPA have an IPA really taste have- at all. Yeah, now now that I recall. It had a nice finish, but I think this was better. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would put it a three out of five. I'd go four. I would give the last one two. Yeah, I would give, one. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd give the two. yeah, I'd give that five. a two, and I'd give the, I'd give this a three. It's not my favorite. Um, it's not my favorite black IPA I've had. I would mm-hmm. definitely drink it again. But, but it's but a black I'm, IPA, which gives it like that extra star <laughs> for me, you know. It really holds that bitter on your tongue. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't had a sip in a while, and I still just like yeah. it dries you out. It's a dry, dry your tongue out. Mm-hmm. I just really needed to get that that pilsner out of your pilsner mouth. Pilsner taste out of my mouth. That was not <laughs> you, good. You're trying to say it's bad shit. Yeah, chite. Oh, C H I T. It's so yeah, chite, yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's a chite. little play. Chite. Yeah, I think it's a play too. I don't understand what what. C-H-I-T would be and how it plays into the whole Pilsner thing, but whatever. Yeah. We're not Pilsner heads. If you know, let us know. Contact at baggingportgas.com. And while you're typing that up, we're going to let you know what comic books we're looking forward to this week on the list. Ooh. Chris. I guess it's back to me. June 20th is is quickly coming up. It's quickly coming up. It's days away at this point. (laughs) It is. Well, what book are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to one of my favorite titles coming out from DC right now, actually. Um, this is one of the books I actually picked when we did our new DC uh, draft, and mm-hmm. it's something I've stuck with every single month because it's just so much fun. It's Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 10. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this book. It's just, it's still crazy, off-the-wall fun. And in this one, it focuses a little bit more on Starfire. We're actually going to see her in her element. 
Um, according to the solicitation, this is where Jason Todd finds out that she's actually the most feared and respected commander in her uh, system, and they're laying it down out in outer space. Space. Uh, everything they've done with this book, I have absolutely loved. Even the tie-in with, um, even the tie-in with uh, Night, of the Night of the Owls, and even you know they have. Um, they have uh, Red Hood popping up in Batman and Robin, and I even like that little moment with them. Uh, I can't say how much I like this book enough because it's so. I think it's so under a lot of people's radar, but it's so much fun. If you're I, gonna pick any book up in trade from the New Fifty Two, I highly recommend this. If you listen to our show, you 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 would probably agree most of the time with us so you really should be reading this book there's a lot of people on the internet from what i've seen that hate this book and it's one of those things you really need to go into it not expecting it to read like a serious dc book mm-hmm. it's it's just not that book but it's in the bat family but it's in the bat family but <laughs> it's on the outskirts of it like the only thing that it has in common is uh, oh yeah jason todd's in it he used to be a robin like that's that's pretty much it. I want a, I want a Red Hood t-shirt. Like, I want his Batman symbol on a gray or black shirt. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Like, I will keep picking this up. Scott Lodell, uh, Kenneth Rockford, they're actually taking over Superman oh. in the month of uh, September. I'm kind of thinking about checking it out, because I, I, lo- I like everything that they've done on this. I like Scott Lodell on Teen Titans. I like mm-hmm. what he's done on Superboy. Superboy was a book that I actually enjoyed. Wanted to pick up number two after I read number one. I couldn't find it, and I just didn't pick it up because of that reason. Had I grabbed number two, I'd still probably be reading it, because um, last month they did a crossover with Teen Titans and Legion mm-hmm. Lost, huh. and I dug it. So I read Superboy then, and I was like, wow, I, I could keep buying this now, but I, I didn't. Yeah. Talking about Superman writers, I'm picking up Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated, number two. Uh, thought it was interesting what they were doing, uh, bringing Talia al Ghul into the new 52? Does this book happen in the New 52? It, it, it has seems, to. Right? It kind of has to. But it didn't feel like a New 52 book for whatever reason. It still felt like it was what he was doing with the old Batman Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, Leviathan is still going to be coming after Batman, which is a secret organization that nobody believes actually exists. Oh, man. Man, I, he, Batman never faces off against those kind of things. <laughs> See Night of the Owls. <laughs> Now, quick side... Oh, go ahead, John. I, I just want to say, again, it's another book that I'm really, really looking forward to, too. It's basically the solicitation say it's uh, Batman and Tully al Ghul fighting for the soul of their child, Damien. Because he can go either way. And I I kind of want him to go bad. Well, he's he's going bad, kind yeah. of. I don't know. If, I mean, he's getting kind of picked apart in his appearances now because... Not everyone knows what he's been doing because mm-hmm. Batman's kind of kept it under wraps. But he's kind of going off the deep end a little bit. Like he's killed like what two, three people now that he's yeah. been a Robin. Two, uh, really? I knew the I knew about the one, but yeah. And now he's dead, supposedly. Well, from the from the last page of the first issue, spoilers. Yeah, he's not gonna be dead. <laughs> I know, but um, you put his hood down. You got shot in the face. His, his hood's over his face. That's it. Um, now, this is kind of like, I don't want to get nitpicky, because we try not to do that on the show. Like, we love comic books. We love everything about them. But, Paul, I'm posing this question to you. Does right. it bother you, DC New 52, that Batman has only been around for probably about, like, five, seven years? 
and he's had four Robins and a ten-year-old kid with Talia Al Ghul, who he met because he was Batman. Um, here's the thing: hypertime. Well, we're not talking about hypertime. <laughs> There's no hypertime in the new Fifty Two. Hypertime, <laughs> but we don't have that. Um, I'm not going. You know what? I'm going to do. I'm not going to think about it. That, that's a Robin a year. <laughs> yes. Um, it's already been said that Stephanie Brown was not a Robin. No, no. Here's the thing: Batman has been a public figure for the last five years. Okay, he's been a public figure. People have known about Batman for. Right? Because I know uh, even uh, what's his Dandy Dio talked about that Batman was operating before Superman, but Superman was the first public superhero to come out and be a superhero. And then afterwards, Batman was kind of figured out. He was always a rumor and an urban legend, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the idea of there's no such thing as a bat. You know, there's no <laughs> Batman out there. Anyways, <laughs> criminals are taking it down. Uh,. You know, I, I enjoy that idea. So if he was operating with, you know, maybe the first one or two Robins before anybody really knew about him, then, yeah, it works for five years in the public. Like, people okay. know there's a, bats, there's a bat signal now in the sky. Like, for five years, there's J- Commissioner Gordon has become Commissioner Gordon, even though he worked with Batman before. He moved up the ranks, put up the bat symbol. Now the bat symbol's been lit for five years, but see, can I have that cake and you, eat it? You can, you can do that. I'm going to. That's how I'm uh, going to do it. I, I think the the same kind of thing because he's always kind of been that you know there is no Batman kind of a thing. Uh, also, I mean, they can how does always a man become a bat. <laughs> you can always change that little bit of continuity because we are in the new Fifty Two, where he may have uh, met Talia as he was training. You know. Mm-hmm. If you look at like Batman Begins, he was trained by the you know League of Assassins. Like he definitely could have gone through there on his travels and met her. Okay, yeah, could have had her that way. Okay, that was just my question. <laughs> yeah, I think we can make it work. I think we did make it work. I think so. Yeah, continuity corrected thanks to the Bag and Broadcast crew. John, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to a book we reviewed last month, which was uh, DC Universe Presents number nine, which and I'm looking forward to number ten. I really dug James Robinson and Cliff Chang's take on uh, Vandal Savage. Bernard Chang. Bernard Chang. I'm sorry. Cliff Chang is Wonder Woman. We interviewed him on the podcast. We did. We did. <laughs> it's a lot of Changs in my head, and I said the one that I remembered more than the other. <laughs> Uh, try, try not to be racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just try once. Try, <laughs> try. Uh, but I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed this book when we reviewed it, and uh, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to to reading this, and and I like. I love Vandal Savage. You do. I love him, and uh, I still like him quite a bit. And Demon Knight. Yeah, he's great in that. Demon Knight, so much did you, fun. Did you get number 10? Yes, I did. Uh, Don didn't have it when I went. I read it. I, uh, you can take it with Please. you. Please. Thank you. It's a serpent pirate. It's great. <laughs> it's, ah! it's Paul Cornell. You know, it's the oh, first I, page. It's, oh, it's yeah. so much no, fun. It is. That's a super fun book. Mm-hmm. That came out last week. Yes. Indeed. Was it my pick last week? No. What did I pick? Oh, I, I picked Dial H. Didn't I? Yes. Yes. Did he pick that up? Yes. Did he like it? It was number two, right? Yeah. It's number two. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. 
is number two. Did I Man. read it? Yeah, I read it. I wish we did reviews more often. <laughs> well, you're in luck, Paul, because we're bringing you a new review right now. And when I say bringing you, I mean you're going to be a part of it. Oh, really? Yes, because we're a team effort. Yes, we are. And where can people find our book reviews? They can find them, well, here, of course, but they can also check us out over on YouTube. Uh, we're Bag and Board, and we're going to be doing more Bag and Board Bites. Uh, we've had overwhelming applause for what we've done with the other ones. And yeah. by that, I mean we enjoyed them yes. <laughs> with our new 52s. But, um, and I enjoyed doing them. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. Going back and like rewatching those, I was like, these are great. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we do a lot of stuff for our lookbacks. We're going to be doing like the trading policies. But we never kind of go back to the books that we've talked about, so that's kind of what we're going to be doing in our bag and board bites a little bit more. Um, yeah, you know what? We read a number one for something, we review it, we like it. We never really talk about number two, three, or four. We might talk about five if it's a new story arc. Yeah. But what, what's keeping us reading it? That's what I want to know. And that's what we're going to let you guys know over on our YouTube channel. Because we are multifaceted. We're on the iTunes, we're on the YouTubes, we're on the Twitters, we're on the Facebooks. I know. We it's, are. It's great. We are a multi-page conglomerate and, of Bagden Board. And if you don't want to subscribe on the YouTube, you can just check our Facebook, because they'll be up on there, too. Yeah. So, let's get into our talking about trade policy. We should get right into our next book and by right into it i mean like we should drink our first our last beer before we get into that topic right oh yeah of course and that beer that final beer will be firestone wookie jack unfiltered ale it's a black rye ipa rye ipa and this is exactly what you want out of a rye you get that you get some sweet but you really get a nice rye taste to it you you don't get exactly the hop that you'd mm-hmm. expect out of this, but I think it's because it's so mellowed out by that rye. And also the malting. You get a lot of the sweet, and I think the sweet really comes more from the, the black, from the black IPA, you know, black IPA, the malt. And the rye is really nice, really, you know, that kind of earthy, you know, flavorful spice that you expect from rye, from rye bread. Um and, you know, I think, think it finishes off nice, you know. Yeah. It has a nice little mellow IPA. Not as dry your mouth out like the Rogue, we were saying. This is nice and sweet, and it lulls you and into it, a nice... And it leaves just a great flavor on your tongue. And the nose on this is so good. This I, is fantastic. I love yeah. smelling this beer. Yeah, I just keep smelling it, and it's amazing. You know, I've been love it. thinking about starting, you know, keeping beer down in my cellar because now I own one. Uh, and this is, you know, and I'm like, oh man, maybe I should start buying these bigger bottles by the case and just keeping them downstairs and keeping them nice and everything. And I've been buying like a bottle here and there to put down in the basement but, and I'm like, I never know which ones are good to keep for a year, which ones you gotta drink, you know, pretty much right away. I would love if this kept. Just so we can I, drink I, it later. I don't yeah. Um, yeah, how long no. you sell it for? We just need to have it again. And again. Exactly. Yeah. Like I would want a case of this, but like, will it keep? Uh, I think it, a lot of it depends on the alcohol content. Mm-hmm. This is and, eight point six. Um, this is unfiltered. Eight point three, right? Yes. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. enough about beer. I, I if that means. I know usually when you have a cast or a bottle conditioned beer. You're good for a good. A, a bottle conditioned, yeah. You're you're good for a good time. It's got active yeast in mm-hmm. it that are going to actually keep changing that beer. Yeah. Now, when it's unfiltered, 
you know, I'm not, separating. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to do mm-hmm. and what comes through and what doesn't. I mean, if it's unfiltered, you're not taking a lot of that stuff out of the beer. Mm-hmm. So it might it might be in there and it might change it a lot or change it a little. And what is the the alcohol content on this? 8.3. I think that's probably high enough to at least get maybe a year Mm-hmm. In there, um, that barley wine that we cellared for the podcast was maybe a twelve. Hmm. Uh, look for an email coming your way, Firestone. <laughs> I'm going to ask. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. You should, you should see if they'll rate and review us too. Yeah, I <laughs> should. Hey, we reviewed your po- beer on the podcast about thirty minutes in to episode one hundred. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, going to be typing away on that as we get into. Uh, Keeping things under lock and key in our trade policy here hey. for our main topic, John. This is this is a book that you brought us to. This uh, I've been wanting to check out this book for a long time, and um, not as long as you wanted to check out Kill Shakespeare. Remember our first bracket, <laughs> the first Bagnaboard uh, cast uh, comic book bracket. You picked Kill Shakespeare over Lock and Key. Did I really? Yes, you did. It, it, it sounds, sounds like familiar. it sounds like such a great idea. Kill Shakespeare. <laughs> you know what I have never read? <laughs> Kill Shakespeare. Kill Shakespeare. And you know what's even funnier? When we were at the Boston Comic Con, right next to Becky Clunas' table was the guy that does Kill Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, I I've I have. Did you talk to that guy? No. Did we drool over Becky Cloonan? A little yes. bit. Yeah. No, no, not even a little bit. Yes. Yes. That happened. There was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She's, yeah. yeah, she's very nice. I like her. <laughs> Don't say it so creepily. <laughs> that was the point. How are we supposed to get interviews with creators if you say stuff like that? Yeah, so like they creepily. listen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but it's something I've 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 been interested in in. Um, I think it, it really popped on my radar when I saw that it was going to be made into a TV show. I looked up a little bit into it. I saw that it was done by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Um, you forced many a Joe Hill book on us now? I one other one because I'd read Lock and Key and I really, yeah. really liked it. At that point, we had also read American Vampire, which had the backups from Stephen King and Joe Hill in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Um, and I like I I just got volume four of this of this series. I can't wait. I know that his last trade that's going to be coming out um, very soon is going to be the last in this world that he writes. Huh. And I really can't I, I really can't wait. But um, with the amount of keys that they show at the end of the trade, first trade, I'm surprised that it's already coming to an end. It has been almost it's been over three years. Yeah, it's been a while now that this book has come out, but. Uh, you know, reading it digitally, should we just... You know, let's parse out the book itself and reading it digitally. Yes. Uh, I think maybe we should get the digital part out of the way so we can focus in on the story and everything else. I have to say, I do not enjoy it re- reading it digitally. Yeah. Uh, partly because of the art itself. Like, sometimes I'm confused. Is this the same character? And I want to, like, compare it to the other page that I saw that character on? And you can't. And you can't. Like, to flip back, it's such a pain. And then, like, the whole guided view from Comixology, sometimes the panel will zoom into the word balloons, and then you, you know, go, you basically flip, you know, do the, uh, what do you want to call swipe. it? This, uh, yeah, the finger swipe to move over to the next word balloon to read it. And sometimes you have to actually 
like you finger swipe and then boom you're on to the next page and i'm like no i didn't get to read it and the words were too small on my little phone i found myself actually like looking at a panel mm-hmm. and then being like oh i have to expand this so i can actually yeah. read it so i'd read it and then i would go back to normal size and i'd swipe to go to the next panel or page and then it would zoom in on that yeah, part. And I was yeah, like, that's oh. what it would happen all the time. I was like, oh, okay. Sometimes I, it would, sometimes it wouldn't. I just read that. I can go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I read the first, first two and most of the third one on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And you get almost a comic book page on that. Um, Size, yeah. The third volume I read, I, I think I read maybe half or a little bit more on my phone. I didn't. It didn't take too much away from what I had gotten used to with reading it on mm-hmm. the iPad. Um, I don't. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Um, the one thing I, I had a little trouble with reading Mouse Guard, Legends of the Guard on my phone. Mm-hmm. But even then, I've kind of gotten used to what it is to read on yeah. on a device. So I, I really don't have too much of a problem. I plan on reading Volume Four of. Um, of lock and key on my phone for the most part, mm-hmm. so I, I really don't have too much of a problem, and, and I don't have a much problem that I keep buying stuff for my phone to yeah. to read. I, I I like opening it up. When I say opening up, I mean a comic book or like an issue, mm-hmm. and seeing the full page. Yeah, and you just you can't do that on a phone when you're reading it digitally. I like how it does show you that panel, and it kind of moves from panel to panel, and they're almost animated. Um, but it. It just seems so weird not seeing a full page, and I'm just mm-hmm. reading a panel, and then I swipe, and then it's zoomed in on a word balloon, and I swipe again, and then it pulls back to a, a full panel, uh-huh. and I swipe, and then it's like a different panel. Um, yeah, you I, don't I get kinda, the sense of the you don't get a sense of the full page. You don't know what the layout actually is. And it it kind of throws off the pacing for it too. Mm-hmm. I found a little bit, yeah, because every panel basically has the same weight to it because it all has the same size on your screen yeah like you can't boom boom the only thing that's taking that you're going to take time with instead of allowing the panel size to dictate the how much time you spend on it is how many word balloons yeah now no word balloon here but it's an important moment it's a character that is now turned into a ghost, but there's no word balloon, so how much time am I really going to spend on it when I need to read this? And to go back to what you were kind of talking about before, there's times I would want to go back and look at the panel before that one, mm-hmm. too. And I couldn't. I would have to go back to the the browse page. Yeah. And then, okay, well, now I'm at the top of the page, scroll through until I get to that panel. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like that. A lot of times when I was because I like that John the art I was confused about and I'm like oh it was like too if I what if it was a book I would just like open up that page and flip it back and forth yeah. back and forth like and be like oh okay he's wearing the same hat that's not his little brother that's him it's a flashback oh I get it now and it kind of took it, it took you getting used to doing that like understanding like I can't do this here. So I think it took a little bit more to get into this book, reading it digitally, than it would have reading it in print. Yeah, I mean it's it's mm-hmm. gonna be it's gonna be different, and it's it's not. I wouldn't say the the best technology for it, you know. And like sometimes you go to a new page, and all of a sudden it it's the full page, and then mm-hmm. you gotta then you swipe on it, and it goes into the word balloons and stuff. It 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 is. It takes a little getting used. Mm-hmm. A little getting used to, um, but I, 
I've 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 enjoyed it. I have to say, price point wise, five dollars for a trade yeah. versus probably what would be twelve to fourteen dollars. Uh, and when I bought when I bought the first volume of this, I think it was three ninety nine for the first volume. Hmm. Second volume is four. Third volume was six ninety nine, and the fourth volume that I just bought was nine ninety nine. So we're talking. You're saving at least three dollars. I, I don't know how much uh, the trade is actually going for. I didn't look it up. I'm sorry, I didn't do research. Be, well, being an IDW book, you're probably looking at three ninety nine per issue. Anyways. You were looking at three ninety nine per issue, but I don't know how much the trade was. So great amount of savings. Would I? <sighs> Was it enough savings to make me want to read it only digitally? Or would I want this... Like, I kind of want this... To give spoilers. Uh, this book to be on my bookshelf. And, okay, is it worth the extra $7? Well, I'm giving that $7 to my local comic book shop. Probably would be worth it to me. Like, just for the experience-wise, if I read it that way, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. And also, that $7 is going to my local comic book shop. If I was in, okay, so that money split up between those two, you know, reasons, worth that extra seven bucks. I agree. If I was buying it for, if all I had was Barnes and Noble, probably not worth the extra seven bucks. Yeah. And I, I think this is something that I, I've said to Chris is, if it wasn't for Don's, if it, if I didn't feel that ultimate mm-hmm. total loyalty to a guy that I've been going to for ten years. I would buy all my books digitally because I have I have like five, six stacks of comic books mm-hmm. that, all right, I've done reading them. I put them in some stack. I look around my room. I have all these issues of Demon Knights all over the place. It, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I It's just books. I don't – I'm a little bit of a pack rat. Like I'm not going to get – A little bit. A little bit. I know. I, a lot of stuff I can just – there can, should be a whole bait and board fight about his room. Why <laughs> <laughs> well, <I'm> messy? <laughs> um, but I, I, I can throw away a lot of stuff. My comic books are one thing I really can't really get rid of. Mm-hmm. But I don't treat them as good as I should. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I would just go. You know what? Digitally, I can read it. And if I ever want to read it again, I can just re-download it. I bought it. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know. Until that service goes away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, with where everything is going to be going, do you, I don't know if I do. You see that happening? I see that with these third market or third parties like Comixology, because what happens when DC decides no, we're publishing all our own books digitally on our own app? We're going to pull all our books now from those apps. If you bought it there, fine, but. And you get to keep it on that app, but how long would that service be around for if DC pulls all their titles from those apps? Or Marvel pulls all their titles from their own apps? Because they have their apps. Yeah. Granted, those apps are basically powered by Comixology or Graphically or whoever they're using. But how long are these third-party publishers going to stick around if DC or Marvel pulls the plug? Look at what happened with the 90s and, you know, Marvel, like, trying to have their own distribution and DC having their own distribution, and now there's only Diamond left. What if that happens? Like, you bought it all with this distributor of the digital comic books, now they're gone. 
and you can redownload it up until they close their doors. Even going back to the early 2000s, Marvel sold digital comic books on their website. There's the Marvel.comics, mm-hmm. you, which you could buy. Those are gone now. Like, if you had bought those at all, cool, you got to read them, but now it's done. You've completely lost that. Unless you saved a local copy, a local copy, you're out. I, I haven't gone back to read a lot of stuff. If anything, I go back to reread anything. It's usually trades that I've bought. Right. But even, this is just even then. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying because this is all stemming from me personally how right. I, I feel from it. I want to have them, this advocate. Oh for no, I know, and I'm right. just and I'm just saying like you know what? It's not often that I go back and reread a lot of the stuff because mm-hmm. I'm always you know what if once I start reading it I get maybe halfway through and put it down and be like I know what happens I, I don't yeah. I don't need to reread it I know Chris is a big rereader guy I love I constantly go back and reread stuff yeah so especially this, with events this wouldn't be for you no but it it works it works a lot for me and my reading styles of my books <laughs> Would I continue buying the volumes here and maybe get an omnibus of them all to have mm-hmm. to read it? I probably would. Man, John is throwing out Christmas gift ideas <laughs> left and right here. I, I also I, I want the Scoon shirt. I want the <laughs> shirt over the the red hood with a bat on a black background or gray. Lock and key and an omnibus would be good. I also would love the lock and key keys that they put out. Oh, they put out. Keys? Yeah, they have the keys too. When we went to uh, the Boston Comic Con, I was looking at booths trying to see if I can find keys. Like, I I really would like to have some of the keys. It's kind of cool. You realize that was right before your birthday, and we could have <laughs> been looking for you. Also, yeah, he realizes that now. That's why he's throwing out all those ideas. I know. Yeah, they could. I started early. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So I, put those we'll I-, I put those ideas really out for my girlfriend because I deserve them and she should buy me gifts all the time. I should be showered with presents from her. <laughs> so she listens to this yeah, podcast. I was say, you're not doing it the right way because she's not going to hear this. That's why I put it up on my Facebook. <laughs> it's true. But let's get into the actual book itself. Joe Hill. Uh, who's the artist on this? Uh, Gabriel. Um, not Ha. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. A little bit of an issue with Gabriel Rodriguez, like I said before, kind of had a hard time distinguishing some of the characters. Yeah, even I, though he was all scarred, I kept on getting him confused with the cousin or the uncle. Yeah, um, or whoever everyone's the fuck very he is. chin heavy too. Mm-hmm. I realized, like everyone has really long, wide faces, which is like twenty five percent chin. Yeah, mm-hmm. except the girls that all come to a point, They're very pointy, very pointy, pointy chins. The mom kind of looks like Moonface from. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nightbreed. Uh, yeah, but um, you have um, the the Locke family, um, the son, the two sons, the daughter, and the mom moving back to the father's um, boyhood home after uh, he is murdered by an ex student of his. He was the principal of the school. Was he the principal or just the guidance counselor? Guidance counselor, maybe then. I, I feel like he could have been a principal because, like, he had a line of kids who had gotten trouble waiting outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't remember. It's been a, it's been a little bit since I've read the first one. 
Um, seemed more principally than guidance counselor, but either way. Um, and doesn't matter. He's dead. <laughs> he dies. It's, yeah. It weighs pretty heavy on the children. Yeah, and it's told like that. All that kind of is told in flashbacks of them moving to this new creepy mansion area, estate, estate. Yeah, there, that's a better way to put it. The estate, the the key house. And uh, in this house, in, in Lovecraft, Massachusetts, right? <laughs> so you know, right off the bat, you're kind of going for a horror edge with this book. Yeah, they're telling you that, but the first issue, you don't get that horror super element, supernatural element until the very end, that last panel. That, oh, no, shit is not so real. And honestly, up until that point, I, I didn't care. Really? Yeah, I couldn't get into this book. It took me a while to read it. I honestly didn't get past that point until today, and I read the rest of it. Wow. I, I almost came into this episode being like, yeah, I tried to read it, and I couldn't get into it. The pacing was really off. I don't know. I think it, the pacing was more off for me because of the digital aspect, and that's why I wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah. And I'm trying to not to, you know, it, give it any pacing issues because of the digital thing. I'm going to just give it a complete pass. I'm going to say no. It was because of the way I was reading it versus how it was written. Um, but yeah, it, it it was like one of those slow burns, slow starts, but. It got really interesting, and it was a complete horror story. You know, there was this killer that was out there to get these kids. Why, and why was this supernatural element? The telling it in flashbacks made it a little confusing for me, because sometimes I wasn't even aware that I was in a flashback. I felt it got better in the last few issues, because you would get the distinct now, then, in the past, you know, like bullet. In the first issue, I don't think we got that much very often. No. It would just be told, like, the thing would be happening, what the person was seeing, e- even in the last issues, what the person was seeing wouldn't be what you saw on the panel. It was what the person was, was thinking. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... Which uh, is a very horror kind of thing to do. I think. Yeah, it, it it throws you off to surprise you with what's coming next kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can see where in the beginning that could... You had to get used to that. Yeah, you I, had yeah. to kind of get used to what they were, were doing and what the style is. And, and again, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be different with with reading digitally. You know, it things are going to be a little different, but overall I think you do get a lot of that eeriness that you get from the house and from the the well house that you really kind of become a, a part of. I don't think the artwork does nearly as well of a job depicting that creepiness as it should, though. It, it's kind of more like a cartoonish, exaggerated style. And I don't use cartoonish in like a derogatory way. It just it's a, a brighter style. I don't know if that makes sense. I think the coloring kind of let, leads that more so um, than what you would expect from a horror book. Um, you know, because you're right, it is rather bright for quote-unquote horror, but I think I don't think the actual penciling really distracts from the horror at all because things are creepy. The lizardy type eyes that you get from the girl slash guy in the well, creepy. Uh, the scary face of Sam, 
crazy creepy. You just uh-huh. think people with scars are creepy. And I have a scar on my face. What yeah, are you talking about? That's why about? you think you're creepy. <laughs> I am a little creepy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, this the world that's in there, it makes me think of kind of that, that Lovecraft kind of world. Like, I, I feel at home in there. Because a creature came out of the water. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of feel at home in that being being a horror fan. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can sit in there, and, and I didn't find any of that distracting. Like, I just, I really just got into this book and into this world, and I've been I've been reading it ever since. The characters feel very, like, Stephen King-esque, these tortured kind of, like, kids, you know, very... Uh, you know, things have happened to them, and they're really, really affected by it. Like, there's no getting past what has happened to them. Like, in this whole book, no character got past what has happened in the beginning, which no. was the murder of their father. And the murder of their father, like, right in front, front of, of them, them, too. And also what they did to survive that ordeal. Yeah. Like any, And there's basically issues in each one of these in the trade. One is, oh, this is what the older brother is thinking and i can't remember his name right Tyrone. now yeah tyler 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 yeah uh and then it's what the girl is you know then the next issue was basically what the girl was you know thinking about with her being up in the uh up on the roof behind the chimney and biting her tongue and her, her lip and like not wanting to be seen anymore and her coming to grips with it and then and also Bodie, uh what he thought about it and you know him writing comic book at home or at school, and him finding the ghost door, and the doors and everything, cool. Yet that's not really the focus. I thought the focus was more on these really troubled characters. Yeah, uh, it it in the later kind of in the later issues, it does get a little more focus, especially right after right after this ends, mm-hmm. and the the character that escapes yep. is now Zach. on on the hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, for these keys, and it's. But doesn't he? She already have the any key. They'll open up anything. Anywhere key, yeah. yeah anywhere, the anywhere key. key, yeah. So why why do you need the rest of the keys? And also the black key. Yeah. And also one other. The, key. Yeah, the key she's, to the black door. And, and yeah, the, and she's yeah she's the, looking for the key to the black door. She has the key she, to the black and door. She's looking for the omega key. No, they don't even mention that at all. Yeah, but the black key is the omega key because he because Sam mentions that. The key with the Omega sign on it, the symbol on it, which is the black key, which no. she, she uses and pushes Sam through, and he becomes a ghost. That's the ghost door key. Right. That's not the Omega key. That's not the black door key? That's not the black door key either. Okay, well, she has... I think we're finding a problem with this book right now. <laughs> Sam mentions the Omega, the one key that she's looking for that has the Omega symbol on it, which he calls the black door key, like when he's talking to the mom through the cellar, through the wine cellar door. I think he was looking for both of those keys. Okay, and the anywhere key, which was in the bracelet, which somehow magically popped out of the bracelet. I still don't know the metallurgy the, you, for that. You kind of find out that there's a lot more going on, especially with um, the father mm-hmm. and his high school friend, who is the person who's in the well. Right. You, you, you find out there's a lot more going on, and you kind of understood that she was a high school friend of his when you know she was in the yearbook photo, and also she comes back to the coach, who was also 
one of the students. Yeah, students at that time. Uh, I mean, it's a lot going on. And when I finished this trade, it's I was you're left with a lot of a lot of questions, and that was one of the things I was like, all right, I I want to get the next one. Like I want to mm-hmm. keep finding out what is going on with everything. That coach is dead, right? No. Oh. So why would she just let? Everybody seems to just die in this. But like, yeah. man, Sam is a great killer. Like, yeah. he just wakes like, up and like, kills people after he does what he wants with them. Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah especially gonna... after he sucks them off. Yeah, that was <laughs> that happened. Yeah, I don't think you Paul enjoyed that. You you heard about it happening. It just never happened on panel, <laughs> no, which was good. Yeah, it's a it it's a it's a rated more mature book. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely a mature title. People end up dead constantly. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. I enjoyed it overall. I would pick up the next trade. I might actually pick this up in the actual trade to have it. See, it's something I will gladly read, but I would want to like buy. Okay. Um, I don't know. Reading it, it just kind of gave me like throwbacks to the Cross Gen series, uh, Route Six Six Six. For some reason, it mm-hmm. just really reminded me of that. Just kind of like that different horror take um, that was written by Tony Bedard. It was actually really good. Um, Reading this made me want to go back and read the rest of those because, like, ah, I never finished anything after like that first trade. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I liked, but ultimately, like, I don't feel like I have to read any more of it. Since I know it finishes up with four trades, I'm like, hey, you know what? That's no, worth it, the investment. Yeah, I think it's like eight. Oh, I thought you said. Yeah, that. I thought you said the next no, one was going to be the last volume, one. Yeah. I just bought volume four, and he announced that this last story arc that he's doing in issue. Um, um, okay. Which okay. I think it's like volume. It's going to be like volume eight. Okay. Is going to be finishing up. But still, you know, for it to end. So Paul, you have four more trades after the one that John just got. Would you <laughs> Would you read and trade? I now that it's eight trades. That's two less than Why the Last Man. It's not as good as Why the Last Man at all, but it's still good. Good enough for me to want to pick it up, maybe in trade, depending on how much the trades cost. Hmm. Would you, with the price being cheaper, do them digitally, I or can't would you do go them digitally again? No, I really can't. I, I feel like it really detracted from like the whole just reading mm-hmm. experience. I, I'm okay with not reading anything ever digital again, but since this is how you have them, I'll I'll keep the <laughs> app on my phone. Finish reading this and then delete it. Yeah. Yeah. John, you really enjoyed it. You're keeping on. I do. I, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely keeping on. Like I. I will be picking up all the rest of the volumes if if I can. If they start getting a little more expensive, mm-hmm. well, nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, but I. I one. think it's it's closer to like fifteen to seventeen dollars for the trade. Yeah, I mean, it's still half priced getting it digitally, mm-hmm. and like I don't have to have that walk of shame through. Mm-hmm. Your math like, is a little off with half price when it's $17 and $10, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, it's, it's what, $8, eight difference versus... I, I'm looking at the $9 and then the 17 rounding that up okay. to 18 uh-huh. <laughs> All right, and the dollar off. But uh, if they got closer to what trade price is where I probably would, but I don't, as I was saying, don't have that walk of shame where I'm walking through work or sitting in the break room reading a comic book and then not having a place to put my comic book after. Why would you be ashamed of that? 
You just kind of have that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a place. Like I don't have a locker at work. I don't have a place to put it. Like I have to John's leave it. Ashamed of us, Paul. I know. I have to leave it in my department, and I I did that with my one of my uh, number one of um, the shadow, and it got somebody put a wet bucket on it, and it got ruined. Mm-hmm. You're like I don't have a place to keep it. If it's on my phone, it's in my pocket. It's in this one drawer. Like I can, I can walk. I can walk, I can read it, and I don't have to worry about it getting ruined or lost or thrown out or or anything that could happen. Every Wednesday, I bring my comic books and put them right on my desk, and people I, ask me what I get every week, and, and then I show them. And I, <laughs> I go through. I don't. Ha- I don't have a, a, a desk. You know, I, know, I have a I have a shared area with different people, mm-hmm. and they put wet buckets on my shit, yeah. and then don't understand why I'm pissed. Just work with a bunch of dicks. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Speaking of dicks, where can you review uh, this podcast? <laughs> you can review us right on the iTunes, uh, the iTunes Music Store, which is also a free podcast store. Hey, uh, hey just search for us, Bagnum Board. That's it. No. Yeah, just Bagnum Board. <laughs> you don't even need the .com there. If you wanted to find our website, it'd be BagnumBoard.com, where there's new articles. There's articles. I had a day off, and I was really motivated, so I wrote a couple articles. So Two you can of check them. Those out. I did. You were motivated not to do the things that you probably should have done. <laughs> Laundry. <laughs> Which I'm off tomorrow. I can do it then. There you go. But yeah, check those out. Also, make sure you're following us over on Facebook. We keep that updated pretty well. Also, um, yeah. follow us over on fa- uh, Twitter. Facebook. Twitter, uh, just at Bagginboard, and on our YouTube channel. We're going to be seeing a lot more Bagginboard bites coming soon. That is true. So, until next week, have a very safe June. Because I... <laughs> I don't know what we're June doing next week. June is the deadliest of months. Everyone knows that. Uh, well, how about, how about this? This is Paul talking to me. Hey, John, don't keep those comic books under lock and key. Because <laughs> that is a shame to the comic books. Yeah. You're going to cut that out, aren't you? No, I'm keeping that. I ain't keeping this. Good luck, everybody.